Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. My guest today is not only one of my dearest friends, but she is one of the most accomplished actresses that I know. She's appeared in over 100 commercials, many well-known TV shows, such as Parenthood and Bones, and a host of independent feature films. Outside of the entertainment world, she's very passionate about helping others, inspiring them through sharing her own personal stories of surviving childhood trauma and shifting their mindsets for success. She's become a vocal advocate on social media for many causes, including ones that I, too, am very passionate about. Ooh, we have a lot to talk about today, and I know it's going to be a great conversation. Amy Argyle, thank you for being on the show, my dear. Oh, thank you for having me. And my cat might be making a vocal appearance as well because she doesn't stop meowing. Parents so always want, or, or children, in this <laughs> case for me, always want to uh, be in the spotlight when we need them to just chill for a second. Please. So it's fine. We, we welcome cats. Um, so, Miss Amy, we, um, we, you know, we've connected on social media over the last, well, we've only had to, we had to connect on social media the last year, but we've been very much so in alignment uh, last, in the last year, just on about a lot of causes. But recently, you and I have really taken a vocal stance in regards to how people are reacting to Simone Biles. But mm. I, I really am happy to have this conversation with you specifically because I think as Black women in this industry, we understand that there is a, a different view of us as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a different expectation. So what I want, first want to ask you as, as a, a Black actress, what have you felt in terms of challenges, but also in terms of like when you walk in the room, how you feel that you already have to kind of set yourself up with how you present yourself and how you come across because we, we, we can get into the stereotypes and all of that, but I want to know what your personal journey has been in terms of presenting yourself as a black woman in these rooms. The biggest thing that comes up for me with that question was and I guess it still is something that I, I, I don't want to say the word struggle, but have to deal with um, is just even how, physically how I present, how I walk into the room. Well, now we're not really walking into rooms. I'm walking into my spare bedroom and taping. Um, <laughs> right. um, but the decision, do I, do I have curly hair? Do I have straight hair? And I remember um, some years ago, some years ago, um, I was auditioning for the lead of a pilot that Scott Foley was doing and I loved it. Um, but my thought was, but I had this convert and I used to have these conversations with myself and I still do to an extent, but I've gotten a little bit more savvy, especially in the commercial world, because now I understand how it works a lot better. Um, but it just, see, like, I knew for that, I was like, okay, as a black woman, opposite a white man, nope, my hair has to be straight. <laughs> like, that's that's the only way it's going to be palpable to America yeah. for this character is that my hair has to be straight. Right. Um, and I think I even went a little over, I think I put extensions even in my hair. Um, the, the pilot never got picked up. But I remember um, actually being in a store, like, I think it was Namie's or um, one of the, one of the stores, mm -hmm. um, cosmetic stores here in LA. And I remember hearing an actress and I don't know what her name was, but she was a black actress that I recognized. And I remember here overhearing a conversation that she was having with someone where she, through her time in television, she had figured out for each network, which hairstyle as a black woman was acceptable. Mm. And it's like, 
but <laughs> that's exhausting. 100%. It's exhausting to have to figure, you know, everybody else. It's okay. Do I just, you know, do I, do I have a little, no, too much ma- makeup on or do, is this outfit right? It's like, how do I present myself physically before I even get into the room to make myself more, uh, ex- quote unquote, acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, for people who know me and for the people that don't know me, I, yes, I am mixed and I am quote unquote light skin. Um, and so I understand my privilege in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think sometimes it is a surprise to some people of like, oh, you have to go through that. And it's like, yeah, even though I'm light, I still have to figure out, like, I'm still brown. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. still not white. Yeah. Um, so I still have to think about, okay, they're asking for a black, okay, my hair's, okay, I need to have my hair curly. But wait, I need to, like, let them know I have naturally curly hair. Or uh, if it's straight, you know, I, I have to physic. I have to go through that mental jumble yeah. um, just be- before I even do the audition. Yeah. And that's exhausting. It is. Although now I've started to get to the, pl- I have <laughs> thankfully started to get to the place where I'm like, I don't give, can I say the F word? Yes, you can. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like if this is how my hair is, this is how my hair is. If you can't, you don't, you know, yes, I'll say, oh, by the way, X, Y, Z. But like I've, I give less uh, thought to, which in some ways television has in this day and age, it's slowly um, evolving. And as black women, I think there is more, um, one, we've had to take the lead on it, obviously, but there is more um, comfort and acceptability of our natural hairstyles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But even with that, you still have to deal with people that don't understand that yeah, just because I have braids right now, my hair can look something different. Right, right, right. I think what's interesting is that, and what people don't realize is very debilitating to have to navigate is mm-hmm. what that actress said is figuring out what version of blackness people mm-hmm. feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. rather than just accepting that there are many versions, and you should just take me for who I am. You know, right, because I'm the still to... I'm the same person. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Whether my hair is curly, whether I have braids, whether I get faux locks, whether I, you know, I straighten it, like, I'm still the same person. I still do the same acting. I'm still just as talented. It doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. people don't realize, specifically people that are not Black people, it, it, maybe other people of color go through this, but I don't think there's any other group of people that have to mm-hmm. go through this the way that Black people do. But specifically, white people will never understand understand that because it's never been a part of their story. They've never no. had to choose which version of themselves is acceptable because whiteness has always been the default mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then when we're, so taking us out of the entertainment industry mm-hmm. and looking at things like the situation with Simone Biles or the situation with Naomi Osaka, you know, mm. when we want to talk about mental health or mental illness, how do you not even just listening to that little bit of conversation Amy and I just had about what we have to go through in terms of figuring out how we have to be to be acceptable to whoever we're going to be in front of and not think that that would affect our psyche in any way. <laughs> like, are you living under a rock? You know what I mean? So yeah. for her, for Simone, mm. you know, the, the pressure that she was under 
and feeling, well, one, she is the greatest of all time. I don't care mm-hmm. that she, you know, took a step back. That doesn't just diminish her abilities in any way, shape or form. Absolutely not. And that's what drives me crazy. It's like, oh, if you're the greatest of all time, why are you stepping out? Because she's the greatest of all time, because she knows, hey, I already accomplished this. I did this. I'm the best, which by the way, <laughs> she's the only athlete that's ever been docked for being too good. Which is absolutely ridiculous. There actually um, was a woman who I thanked her um, on IG on that beer post in the conversation that I was so wonderfully having with that individual. <laughs> we all know uh, who that individual is, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, this woman who was white um, or appeared to be white, um, she pointed out the difference. She pointed that out um, in that, uh, you know, somebody like Michael Phelps, who is probably the greatest swimmer mm-hmm. uh, that, Oh my God, he just everything. Oh my, oh my goodness. Like nobody can reach him. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But Simone. Yeah. Oh, but wait, to make it fair, we need to dock her some points. Yeah. Excuse me. What? No, just give her her due. Just give her her due. Give her her due. Why is that so difficult? Why is that so hard? I mean, and it's, 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 you know, and it's a double. She's a woman. And then she's a black woman, which so that's it's double. Another thing that people don't understand: there are two <laughs> women in general groups. <laughs> yes, that we have to navigate. We have to navigate mm-hmm. being women, and we have to navigate being black. And mm-hmm. it's not an easy intersection. And even you know, in in women's rights, there's a struggle with intersectionality as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> if you guys could see Amy's face right now. <laughs> I know it's a podcast, but she's looking at me like, mm-hmm. she's like, exactly. But it's such a frustrating um, place to be in because mm-hmm. I feel like black women have this constant target on their back, but also we're not ever allowed to emote in any way, shape or form. Oh, no, because then if we do, oh, you're being aggressive. Oh, you're too much. Oh, you're being too loud. Oh, I'm you're offending me. Oh, you're 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 just too much. So how have you just in your life, but even being in the entertainment industry, figured out how to respond when people say things aren't about race, when we so obviously know through our experience, Mm -hmm. whether they say it, we Mm -hmm. know it's about race. So I feel like that it was you that I brought this up to or somebody that I was having a conversation with. And I did mention this. I was like, you know, for so long, up until I would say probably the last couple years, especially last year, I didn't think in race. And in part, it was how I was raised. Um, although I was raised by my aunt and uncle who are both black. Race was never talked about in my home for the most part, like we never had race conversations. Um, and I grew up in white, I grew up in very white Plano, Texas. I mean, I don't know what the makeup is now, but when I lived it's there in white, the eighties, it's basically like it's still it's, white. Um, yeah. white and rich, white and very rich. And, and we, we, we navigated through, you know, moving there and we lived in an apartment and then we lived in a townhome and then we met and then they moved and then they bought a house. And so I had a very, um, <laughs> For the most part, I come to. I had everything I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't. There are other things we won't talk about. <laughs> Childhood is a whole other story. Black lives. Yeah. You led a more privileged one, and I yes. probably I'm in line with in line with you in that sense as well, for sure. Yes. So, and all of my friends, for you know, all the kids that I uh, grew up with were all white, um, mm-hmm. and so there was never. But like looking back, I could pick. I could probably like, oh yeah, that they were probably picking on me because I was different. 
mm-hmm. or oh yeah i mean uh, you know the comments of you're an oreo you're the whitest black girl i know i mean i got that from black and white people but um so i grew up and into adulthood not really thinking about race but as i got more friends who were not white <laughs> um and started to immerse myself in social conversations and what was going on in the world and opening slowly opening my eyes and it took time for me to even really honestly be comfortable talking about race or talking about things that I actually that I did resonate with and um that did bother me because I was afraid I was afraid I would be offend I would be offending like my white friends or they wouldn't understand me or they wouldn't like uh, yeah it was just so I had to go through I had to navigate this and especially then last year it was kind of when it kind of ke- really came to a head of like you've been living in a pretty you've been living in a fucking bubble mm. <laughs> um so now I'm turning like turning point for you the last year um, was it George Floyd? Was it Breonna Taylor? Was it seen? It was Ahmaud Aubrey, actually. Ahmaud was actually ah. the first. Um, I don't know what it was, but it, it just something clicked one day and I was like, fuck, man. And then it sort of just and then, of course, everything just then happened one after this the other. Domino effect, yeah. And I and there was a, a lovely there's a lovely human and name. His name is Devin. And he had um, posted he had made a post on Instagram um, talking about his childhood. And he's he's mixed and he grew up in Texas, completely different area. Um, but he shared um what he shared, and I, I'm not going to go into like what he shared, but what he shared about was very similar to what I understood my experience to be mm. um, and how sort of shielded and ignorant. And in some ways, um, there were definitely ways that I, I subconsciously allowed, subconsciously and probably consciously um, allowed society to shape my view of of black people of black people yeah you know, of, of my own people yeah um and so i had to really have a reckoning with that um and it's been a it's been a continual thing and now i feel more comfortable but i also there on the other side i also didn't feel sort of like i belonged mm. um the existence of being being mixed is a whole other existence that is a whole nother conversation right right um whereas i'm like it's a whole nother race <laughs> like it really is like it's a whole nother existence um because you are in the middle of two worlds or yeah. you know whatever your your racial makeup is you're in the middle of those worlds and figuring out how to navigate those um and yeah kind of where you fit in um, and so a lot of times I didn't feel comfortable speaking also because I didn't know that I didn't feel comfortable. Like I didn't know that if I fit into black community, you know what I mean? Like, so I was yeah. just like, I don't know. I'm just going to be here in my own little thing. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm opening myself and I'm, I'm really starting to dissect now I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely, if they were white that wouldn't happen oh yeah that definitely so i'm able now to see it and it's unfortunate (laughs) now it's like oh jesus now this is what y'all been dealing with like now i understand it so it's kind of like i've been in white world and and operated in that space 
and now I'm, I'm, I'm entering into the other, my other half and, and seeing life through the lens of what it is like to live as a black person in America. Mm -hmm. And although my experience is still not the same and I acknowledge that, yeah. I'm able to see it, but I still experience like I, I was home a couple, you know, when we could visit people, um, I think 2019, um, yes, this is my grandmother was still alive. It was 2019, uh, Christmas time. I was in Indiana, Pennsylvania. First time I walked into a mall and like saw <laughs> Confederate flag stuff, memorabilia mm. all over. Um, and we had gone into a, a, a store, um, bed, bath, not bed, bath and beyond, um, bath and body works, which, Ooh, for take me it personally, back. taking it back, <laughs> I wouldn't be caught dead. Like I hate that type of stuff. Like I'm, I'm granola. I like, you know, I like all the natural <laughs> stuff. So, but, but granny loved the, loved all the smelly stuff. So we were in there and I didn't know this. Yes. <laughs> I do like, like the like Plumeria sugar. just makes the sugar scent. Bath and body works. Just the vanilla the sugar was mine. Plumeria is Bath and Body Works. I don't think there's any other scent at Bath and Body Works besides Plumeria. I'm totally digressing. But when you said that, I smelled it. And everybody listening, that- I know you smell it too. Like I, you smell the Plumeria. That, not, but it was I'm, the vanilla sugar for me, or maybe that was Victoria's <laughs> Secret. Um, they have like an amber scent that I was like, well, I kind of like that. <laughs> but anyway, we're shopping for granny and we leave the store and my younger cousin was fuming. And she was taught. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, what happened? And she was, you didn't see the lady following you. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Mm. Like, you didn't see the lady in the store that worked at the store following you. And I was like, no, I didn't. She was like, literally, Amy, everywhere you went. Now, this is coming from someone who of the three of us is the lightest person. <laughs> she was following me. So, yes, we experience I experience it, but I, yeah. I wasn't aware of it. But had I been aware of it uh, and I've been aware it aware of it at times and yeah. I will vocally like passive aggressively say something. Yeah. Like, why are you watching me? Like, I don't do you think I'm I always go. If I need anything, I'll, I'll call you. I'll Thanks. let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah. And I say um, with that voice too, I'll be like, if I need anything, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> with that smile. <laughs> you, 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 see, y'all are listening, but you know what we're talking about. You know the smile. Okay, so I have a question for you then. Yeah. Because I had a conversation with another one of my friends and he he grew up in, in Kansas City mm. and predominantly white neighborhood. Most of, all of his friends were white, not even most. But he said it took him a long time to realize that despite growing up around white people, having feeling like he was accepted, that he was not afforded the same privileges as them. Mm. And did you ever feel at any time that you were afforded the same privileges? And then it just kind of flipped on its head and you realize, oh, this it's not the same for me, despite me growing up in the same area, going to the same school. I feel like... It was, um, I don't think I, I came to that sort of idea of life until I hit the industry. Mm. Mm. Um, high school, I was in, you know, I was in all the, so in Texas we had like AP advanced yeah. placement or whatever, okay, yeah. AP classes. So I was in all the AP classes. Yeah. So I was in the, you know, and I, um, I don't think that I, I think that one, my, my existence in that time was 
a lot of it was me emotionally suppressing what was going on at home. So mm-hmm. I don't think there, I really even was aware of if there was stuff going on and like right. people were being mean to me. It, it right, wasn't right. anything like that. I mean, I also grew up Muslim. So I also was then dealing with in high school, I was wearing a hijab. Well, mm-hmm. I, I tied that scarf behind. I wasn't trying to wear the traditional wrapped around um, at school, but I was like the token Muslim kid. So mm-hmm. like when they went to, when history class got to Islam for the day, <laughs> um, I, the history teacher whom I loved, I don't remember her, what her name was, but I loved her. Um, she would call me. You said for the day, by the way, cause it's right. It was like, you, you talk about Islam for one day. Yeah. Um, much like you probably talk about African history for one day yeah. and it's Egypt. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause apparently Egypt is the only country in Africa. Um, but so that was more so my experience than um, it being anything racial from what I remember. But I definitely think it's more been a, a to, uh, to be completely honest, I don't know that in general I've had that thought. Mm. Except maybe outside of of, of the work, the business. I feel like if I was white, maybe I would be further along in my career. Um, but I do think that I have to recognize the the privilege that I have of being. I hate to, it, it, it is, you know, it is uncomfortable to say that. I, yeah. So I give it to, to, you know, to white people who are having to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uncomfortable to say, oh, I, I've been given privilege. Yeah. Based yeah. on how I look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have. But it's no fault of yours. Yeah, There's I don't been, ride on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm it's not like, I'm mixed though. Right. Like, never have those words uttered except for right now. That's what I was saying, right. for sure. Like, but also, anybody seeing you, it's, well, you kind of do have an ambiguous look, but like, yeah, people think I'm Puerto Rican all the time. White passing. Like, no, I'm not white not passing. passing yes, right? No, no. So, there are people that are mixed that are white passing and it's yes. very apparent in how they are treated because people think that they are white. They're, For sure. You know, it, and then it, those are the people, and this is like some of my favorite TikToks to follow, but they will share experiences of when mm. their friends are so racist and mm-hmm. don't know that they're half black or mm-hmm. don't know that they're half, you know, Latina or Latino, yeah. you know, because they're white passing. And that's when you really start to discover people's true colors is because they are showing that they think, oh, maybe this person's just like me and has this view of other people and mm-hmm. then you don't even, you know, that's when people are, are, are honest. So yeah, I'm, I'm honest. I know that that's not, you. it hasn't been your experience <laughs> and you haven't capitalized on it. But when yeah, I say that no. Like, it's no fault of yours, it's no fault of yours that there has been um, this pedestal of basically yeah. European beauty standards that, you know, that that's what people subscribe to. And that's what people try to put, you know, in the forefront of movies, put in main commercials. That is not your fault. That is mm-hmm. just what white supremacy has done and what white supremacy has lifted up. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've gotten out of parking to, I'm not parking to, definitely not gotten out of parking tickets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody gets no, out of parking tickets. Nobody gets out of parking tickets. walking to your car as they Well, actually, up? actually I did, but she wasn't, she wasn't, and she was a sister, but she, she wasn't, uh, she hadn't like started it yet. And, so she and I like, literally oh. was walking. I was like, I, I'm right here. <laughs> and she was like, put some money in it. I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I did. Yeah. I did. Let's say it right that now. That could be a whole <laughs> podcast talking about those parties. They are ruthless. 
ruthless. Ruthless. They found me. Oh yeah. When I first moved here, it was a, it was a shit show with the parking tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, um, we digress. But I knew that yes. happened because <laughs> <laughs> because it's me. Uh, but yeah. So e- I've gotten out of like speeding tickets. I've gotten out of you know. I've gotten cold, pulled over. But I will say, and it's something that I have to be conscious of. But it's because I'm now more aware. Well, only like, especially like if my registration was out, I'd be like, oh, fuck, there's a police officer behind me. Yeah. But um, I do get a little nervous now. Mm-hmm. And I used to not, it used to, I used to not get nervous yeah. when I, when a police officer was behind me. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I recognize my privilege in, in being what, how I, pres- how I, I look that um, I, but I could, I can see where, how people sometimes act or, um, no, that was over the phone. I was like, no, but then I was like, "Mm, that was probably a woman thing. Um, (laughs) you just start, yeah, I just start to realize like certain conversations go and things that people say, um, then like, oh, you're just assuming because I'm a woman or you're just assuming because I'm X, Y, Z that I might not. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Let me prove you wrong. (laughs) Right. Right. That's I mean, but that's the other thing is like, how often do you feel that you have to do that? That you have to prove people wrong and prove yourself specifically as a black woman? Because I think, you know, in going back to mm-hmm. Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, pretty much any black woman that has had any kind well, of You just have to be better. You have to work. Yeah. It's like we're, we do have to, I feel like work harder to be better mm-hmm. than the, like, like your best is almost not good enough. Like you mm. almost have to. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm just going to be at home then. <laughs> Getting tired. How do you protect your mental health? I've, so I, I admire, this is what I was listening to one of your podcasts. Where you were like, um, I listen to the news. I can't. Mm. Um, and I, I get that that kind of <laughs> keeps me, like I find out about things later, but uh, there's only so much that I can take in. Um, re- I'm ve- I've started to be very careful with what I read, what I listen to, what I look at. Um, even music, like I if I'm listening to a song that I've saved and I'm like, Oh, I don't resonate. That energy is not like, like I don't listen. I'll shut off a song. I'll switch a song. If they're talking about, you know, being in love with somebody's lover, being in love with somebody else's, you know, person, Mm -hmm. um, lyrics, lyrics that are lyrics that exude a sense of unworthiness or, um, you're bad for me, but I don't know why I keep going back to you. Girl, you got a problem. Like we have to fix that. Like, so I've been very, so I've started to be very, very conscious of even the the lyrics of music that I'm listening to. It's very intentional what you consume. Yeah. And because I find that it's, it really does, um, it, it weighs on me in a way that it affects, it affects me on a, on another level. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say, Oh, I'm empathic. We're all empathic. It's just, are we open to it? Um, 
That's and I'm open to distinction it. because I, I copied that from somebody else. Somebody else said that. And I was <laughs> like, yes. said it. it's brilliant because I, in, in thinking of empathy, you know, in the, the place that we're in right now in society where mm-hmm. specifically, I will say conservative white males have been the ones complaining the most feeling othered, right? Mm-hmm. You would think <laughs> that that would somehow push them to have empathy for people of color that have felt othered their whole life, but it's no. not. And I don't no. get that. So it's because they're not open to it. And I love yeah. that. I think that's exactly what it is. They're just not open. Yes. We all yeah. are born that we yeah. all have that in, a, unless you are a clinical sociopath, that's a whole nother thing or site, uh, whichever whole one it is, podcast. whole nother <laughs> podcast. And I'm not a clinical psychologist. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, um, but I, I'm very careful with, you know, I have to start my mornings off. I have like a little routine for myself. I do a gratitude list. I mm-hmm. journal, I meditate. Um, I do affirmations. I start my morning, you know, sometimes I start my morning with my phone in my hand. Um, but you know, I get these texts, I get two texts that are like, um, quote, like, one friend sends these like inspiring quotes in the morning. Another one Mm -hmm. is like a positive affirmation. And then I have like two or three emails that come in that are like that. And so I like to read those, um, in the morning and I listen to very calm, relaxing music in the morning to get me going. My life is set up, you know, I I don't have a significant other at the moment. I don't have children yet. Um, And so it's just me and my pets. And so I... I like to take my time in the morning. So I, I've set up my, my life is, is set up in a way that like I can, can I have, I make the time for that. And then of course, when it shifts, I, I still have to be mindful of these are the things I have to do in order to start my day in the right mindset. Um, but also I've just done a lot of healing, um, of personal, tra- of childhood traumas, mm-hmm. um, and I check in with myself, but I also, I, I, I go to people, I, you know, I have a slew of different types of, of, um, naturopath healers and that sort of stuff that, um, I go to, to, you know, I have a coach that I talk to once a week. Um, and so it, it like meant, yeah, I, I've never like. I'll have like little bouts of depression or things, you know, yes, I totally, uh, what you were talking about in your last episode, um, I think it was your last one, um, self-worth. self-worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely something that I have just through how I was raised. That was, I did not know my worth. Um, and so that's definitely been something, um, that I have had to work on and come to an understanding and, and, and acceptance of, and like knowing, knowing what is my worth. And it's still something that I'm every day. There's something that tests it. Right. Yeah. Um, and especially being in this business, which is basically like an abusive relationship. <laughs> Keep going um, back. <laughs> you just keep going back and you keep hearing no or silent and keep getting ghosted yeah, and you yeah, keep going back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. In terms of like mental health or even mental illness, if we want to take it a little, little further, because there is a distinction between the two. Yes. Why do you feel just from your vantage point that it's never a reason, excuse, explanation or whatever it be 
in regards to the black community. Like from the outside. Yeah, because as we know from the tweet that I said, mental illness is often, and I say excuse because I, am, I do think it, it uses an excuse when it comes mm. to mass shooters, which are predominantly white male, right? Yes. But when you look at, for example, people love to use Chicago as, as an example for, for gun violence, <laughs> oh, right? Yes. yes. Why is that never... <clears throat> Why is that never used for those situations? I mean, we have societies of men that are dealing with deep, deep, deep mental, emotional trauma that is not addressed. If you're disenfranchised, if you, you know, you live in neighborhoods where the city does not care about you, how would you not think that all of that would cause any form of PTSD, any form of a mood disorder, any form of an anxiety disorder, which are all under the umbrella of mental illness? But instead, it's the immediate assumption that anybody that gets involved in gang violence or any kind of violence whatsoever, specifically in Chicago, or just in the, they're just bad people. But that's never the narrative for a white male mass shooter, ever. And I know that's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, and it's one I would love an answer to, but no one will, no one's going to ever give it to me, right? Um, no. But just your opinion. Well, I mean, I, I feel like for so long, Black people in general have been looked at as just less than in general, looked at as criminals, called criminals um, from, you know, it's just like from slavery to the prison system, mm -hmm. to segregation, Jim Crow, all of that to, you know, I said this in the story recently, it was like from that to kind of being free but yeah. we're still <laughs> exactly. now we're still dealing with it's still mass <laughs> imprisonment it's still the police brutality it's still all the things being continued until <clears throat> those in those who have created that system until they step up and say we've fucked up yeah. we have been feeding you propaganda all this time about black communities black men black people in yeah. general um that they are just innately less than and bad people and criminals until that is reversed until that is spoken about on a high, high deep level then society, I think, just is going to continue to perpetuate those thoughts. It's just still going to perpetuate um, that uh, mentality about black people in general. Um, and so <clears throat> why would why would they throw mental health <laughs> into it? You know, that would then require some responsibility. And that would also require empathy, which they're not right. open to when it comes to the black community. Yes. We'll and I love that, that nice someone, <laughs> right? <laughs> Dun -da -da. We answered it. Um, I had someone <clears throat> and he said that he didn't hear my full state, my full, everything that I said. And but I gave he him commented the benefit anyway. of the doubt. Um, but he, yes, there was someone from high school <clears throat> who I granted, I really don't remember him. Isn't it always someone from high school? Let's be honest. <laughs> always, always somebody from high school. Always, yeah. and, it, and of course, it was a white male. Um, just like that. Although the dude on your IG, I think he might be Latino. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell from his IG, That's but it doesn't matter. He was next. still a male. He was still a male. <laughs> yeah. The only people that I've about women back from <clears throat> my comment have been mm -hmm. white males or just males in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he wrote something about, um, you know, I, I, he said something positive, like, thank you for your, I 
thank you for your, your point of view or I, I admire or something you're, you know, the way that you think or something, I forget what he said, but he's like, oh, but I, it feels, it sounds a little like victim mentality. Um, something about, you know, if we can all just love one another or something, I don't know what he said. So I was like, I'm sorry. I don't exactly understand what it is that you're referring to. Um, and he couldn't remember the story was then gone. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to send you a screenshot of everything that I just put in <laughs> the last 24 hours. And you can tell me what it was. And he was like, oh, it was when you were talking. And I was like, okay, well, you must not have heard my entire statement. Yeah. Um, and I reiterated it and he was like, oh yeah, no, I didn't. And I, and I was like, for also <clears throat> the term <laughs> victim mentality. Now, I'm a huge advocate for healing your personal trauma. And so, yes. And this has also been something that I haven't felt comfortable talking about because I don't come from those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it's something that weighs on that I always want. I'm like, can, how, 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 how do we do it? Yeah. Um, a mass healing of black communities across America, a mass, deep, deep mass healing of our ancestral trauma. It has to happen. Absolutely. Um, and it is happening, but it, 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 we, we need like a revolution. Um, and that takes a lot. That's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of responsibility on our part to, to recognize, um, and those of us who are, are in places who are able to help facilitate, go and do it. Go back yeah. and do it. Go back and yeah. do it. Don't forget where you came from. Go back and do it. Call to action to all the big way, big entertainers and things. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. Another I could probably podcast. get myself and somebody who's probably going to cuss me out. Um, they'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, sure. Also, I, you know, I've had conversations with a friend of mine who, you know, she, um, she's black. She grew up in hall. She grew up in Hollywood mm. in Hollywood. Like her dad was a musician, but then she moved to Detroit. And so she got to see like two completely different lifestyles, right. um, right. and experiences. Uh, and she was explaining some things to me. Um, but when people want to talk about when white people want to talk about, Oh, victim mentality and black people and are you playing the victim, playing the victim. No, we're pointing out, there's a difference between playing the victim and pointing out the ills. But as soon as we point out the ills, somebody wants to cry. Oh, you're what you're playing. I feel like you're playing the victim. Like, or gaslight it somehow, because yeah. I feel like the entire black experience as a whole is just being mm -hmm. gaslit. Yes. And it's like, no, it's an actual thing that exists. It's an actual thing that people are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Just because you and I, to be quite frankly, don't deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis doesn't yeah. mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't 100%. mean that it's not real for those people. It doesn't mean that it's not real. Yeah. And so when we talk about it, listen, listen, have empathy. Don't judge. But because you want your ego is so, I feel like so many people, just the ego is so wrapped in uh, uh, oh my god uh, you're offending me oh my god it's not it's all white people it's not all yeah and it's like it, this isn't about your feelings right now <laughs> we're not talking about <laughs> your feelings right now we're not talking about your uncomfortability right now 
we're talking about our feelings yeah. and our uncomfortability. And it is now very loud for and and very visible for you to see. This last year happened in the way that it did, I do think. It happened in the way that it did for a very specific it, it happened it, it, like uni- like cosmically planned yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that people were able to really listen and really pay attention. And so that's what we're asking. Really listen and really pay attention. It's not about you. And I'm sorry that you feel uncomfortable. Just like me saying that I have privilege. Yeah, it feels uncomfortable. But I have to sit with that. Yeah. And it's also not about me. Right. In part, it is because I do have these experiences, but for the most part, I don't. And so Mm -hmm. I have to open myself up to understanding what the experience is. And how do I help? How do I raise my voice up as someone who is black, but also mixed? And so I have a different experience, but how can I lend my voice to help? How can I lend my voice for people to understand what is happening and what has been happening and for us to talk about it and be passionate about it. And yeah, hurt, hurt. That's not playing the victim. That's not playing the victim. And I think that people just need to really, really, really understand that. I think one of the most important things that you just said right now is how can I use my voice to help? And I Mm -hmm. think that that is for anybody especially allies, you know, and people say, you know, if they're silent, whatever, just ask, you know what I mean? Ask Mm -hmm. how you can use your voice to help, to uplift others, to be a part of the movement. Because again, being silent is being complicit. I don't care what anybody Mm -hmm. says it is, but also you don't want to center your voice Mm -hmm. in your experience, in your situation. So figure out how your voice can be needed and how your voice is needed and how it can be used to help further movements that need, because let's be honest, we as black people, we know that we need white people to make change. That's just, yeah. that's just the way that it is in this country yeah. right now. Right. But white yeah. people need to understand that if you want to step up to the plate and you want to help, you need to listen first and don't talk, <laughs> listen first and understand. take your ego out of it. Yeah. And it's not about you. And it's not because nobody cares about you or because your experience is not valid. It's because in this moment, we're focused on this. That's all it is. That's all it (laughs) is. But Amy, I'm so glad we were able to have this chat. Um, If you can tell us anything that you are working on that we should look out for, or you could just tell us where to follow you on social media now that you're all vocal and stuff. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) um well i am active on instagram amy.argyle it's like the pattern (laughs) i love it um yeah i'm on facebook but i don't really use it it's usually just a filter of my instagram um and what am i working on well i just finished i just recorded um some episodes of a I guess they're called serial podcasts like the story podcasts mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just finished a couple episodes of a, a voicing a character um, or some characters on a, a story podcast that's coming out Very cool. um, I have a part in a show that will rena- remain nameless for now <laughs> um, that I think is coming out the end of this year or the beginning of next year I'm not sure awesome and um I'm currently solely working into 
creating a TV, I think it's going to be a limited series, um, based off of a character that I played in a play, Mary Seacole, who was a real woman, a uh, Jamaican Scottish woman from the 19th, uh, 100s, 19th century, um, who, let's be real, she was uh, the mother of nursing, not Florence Nightingale. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> um, I did that as a play and um, working with the writer to create a, um, a miniseries based on her life and turning another play that I did that I found in Mexico City into a film. Incredible. Always, always working, keeping busy. Like I told her, Amy, before we even started recording, I never turn on my TV and don't see her face. So um, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for chatting with me and to the listeners. Make sure you follow her on social media and subscribe if you haven't. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye.